Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. The Jeff Dean Show starts now. Good morning, Tucson, and welcome to the Jeff Dean Show. I am Jeff Dean here with you on this Wednesday morning, December the 29th. i got to adjust my my paperwork here because, well, I had it all prepped for yesterday, and uh, technical problems here at home, internet issues, couldn't get on the air. The internet was out for like three hours yesterday morning. No explanation why, and I'm sure I won't see a discount on my bill. <laughs> but, hey, you know what? We got it back on, and it's working today, and I'm glad to be with you guys here. On this uh, Wednesday morning here on the Jeff Dean Show, you're listening on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. We are Tucson's only local morning sports talk show, and a lot of things to do today. I've still got stuff that I needed to talk about in yesterday's show, and some of those things have gone by the wayside now, and they've they've been uh, they've been put away. <clears throat> but uh, plenty of other stuff to get into. I mean, it, it's going to be. A, a show just chock full of NFL stuff today as um, we have, I'll have my NFL power rankings. I'm going to be debuting that. Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider, is going to be stopping by at 7.30, as he always does on Wednesdays, to discuss Cardinal football and, you know, basically what we saw over the weekend in that uh, the Christmas Day game against the Colts and what we can expect about their upcoming road game uh, heading into Dallas, where it is dangerous waters now as Dallas Appears to be clicking on all cylinders. I mean, it's easy for, I think, a team to look like that when they play Washington. But nonetheless, uh, the way you, you know, you put up 42 points in a single half of an NFL game, that's that's impressive. So we'll talk about that uh, coming up uh, in you know, throughout the show or later on in the show, about 7.30, about 25 minutes from now, we'll talk with Tyler about uh, Cardinal football. And, you know, lots of different things going on in the world. We'll talk some college football, some college sports. More cancellations yesterday. You know, we there was the, the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl got canceled. I didn't get a chance to talk about that, but I will talk about that a little bit this morning. Um, the Holiday Bowl last night, UCLA. <laughs> Listen, there's a lot of there's a lot of name dragging going on uh, in UCLA. Uh, you know, the, the the name UCLA being dragged all over social media, and they've earned it. I mean, they've earned it in a lot of different ways not only for the practices of their basketball program and things that have been going on there. And Arizona fans have jumped all over UCLA basketball for the, uh, uh, quite literally, the practices that they're doing. And, and we'll talk about that as well. But the football team canceling a football game five hours before kickoff is absolutely ridiculous. Like, it, it's, uh, it, it goes beyond, I, I mean, I, I was sitting having some lunch yesterday and, Saw the news coming out that the Holiday Bowl was canceled. I was like, Holiday Bowl? That's tonight. <laughs> Wait a second. That game was tonight. And sure enough, there it is. UCLA cancels game five hours before. guess those players were well enough to go eat churros and hang out with Shamu a couple of days prior, but couldn't play a football game. And NC State, their opponent for the, uh, for the game, is rightfully very upset with UCLA. And I... I totally understand. 
and we'll, we'll we'll get into this when I start talking about the, the you know the cancel the, the new version of cancel culture as it is right now. Apparently, just it, it's easier to cancel something than to play it uh, to play the game. Uh, there's going to be a, a lot of uh, a lot of answers to be spread around. People are going to want answers for why this happened and how this will never ever happen again. So we'll talk about that coming up. But I want to lead off the show. Of course, the the untimely passing of John Madden. It occurred. Uh, he he passed away. I guess it was yesterday morning when he passed away. He lived a, a very very uh, private life. He was a very humble man. Somebody who you know kind of had had, uh, had had fallen back into the shadows, into anonymity, and and you know that was his way. That's the way he wanted to do it. Uh, so I guess he he had passed away yesterday morning. I didn't get notification. You know, the world didn't get notification until after four, after four o'clock yesterday afternoon. You know, and uh, unfortunately, I was heading right into work and was unable to process this. Now, this has been, you know, a difficult a, a difficult passing for me to deal with personally, just because uh, he, you know, he meant so much to me in my life and growing up watching football. You know, and, and if. If uh, if you're friends with me on, on social media, if you follow me on Twitter or whatever, then you've you've already seen this and heard this spiel before, because um, I posted something last night. But you know, and and I'm gonna try not to make this about me, but it's it's you know it's difficult because I can. He had such a huge influence on my life. I mean, I grew up very 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 early in my life. I was influenced by by the game of football. My father played in the NFL. My father, my uncles all played college football. There was a huge influence of football in my family. And uh, so I was introduced very, very early. And I had a lot of people around me that, you know, watched football. My grandfather, who you know I was very close with, was a huge football and boxing fan. Um, even, you know, my mom, she was a, a huge football fan, still is. And, uh, you know, there's, there's, there's just a ton of influence. And, and people throughout my life, that have been a huge influence on me in uh, in the world of sports and specifically in football. And I can say this, you know, without any kind of disrespect to any of those people and friends and family and such that I, that I have met and people that I have been with, you know, throughout my entire life, um, without any disrespect to them. John Madden had more influence on my love of the game of football than anybody. And I mean anyone. Just listening to him call a game every sunday you know i mean it was always the it was always the best game right like it seemed like it seemed like whatever game he was calling he and pat summerall were calling was going to be the best game of the day and you know you, you look back and you think about it you're like that really wasn't probably the best game itself of the day but it was certainly the most enjoyable and the most engaging game of the day because those two broadcasters made it so pat summerall the consummate professional play-by-play man, and then you had John Madden, who is, without question, the greatest color analyst in the history of sports announcing. Period. End of story. The greatest. There is no one that had influence in the announcer's booth more and more quickly than John Madden. Did you know, like, there's there are so many things, like, just over the years, you hear stories about things, and look, these are all uh, 
you know, these are all things that I've you know taken with me over the years, and you hear these kinds of stories, and you talk about this kind of stuff when a when a, a news story pops up, and you know, covering sports as long as I have. You know, one of the most helpful things that we experience now that we pretty much just take for granted, right, is the first down line that you see on the televisions, the, the little you know the yellow line that shows where the first down is, the line to gain for the offense. It's really one of the most helpful tools. In like that's ever been arranged in in you know television for football, it's we take it for granted because it, it it seems like it's always been there, but it hasn't always been there. I mean, I grew up watching games. A lot of us grew up watching games. There was no first down marker, and there was a meeting one day with uh, with with Fox executives, and they were having a production meeting. John Madden, Pat Summer, all there, and John Madden is laying out kind of a, a pregame. You know, he, he's like, I'm going to do this with the Telestrator. Telestrator, one of the you know m- most amazing tools, also in the t- in the time that uh, that John Madden was there, and he used it better than anybody. So he's showing the producers the Telestrator, and he's like, okay, you know, we got this, we got this here, we got this, and he's drawing on the Telestrator, and then he draws a straight line right across the field where the first down marker is. He goes, he goes, the the key is you have to get to here because he's talking about an onside kick. He was talking about an onside kick because. In Andy Reid's first ever coaching game with the Eagles, his first ever career coaching game in the NFL, he opened the game with an onside kick, and John Madden was talking about that with a, a particular set of producers that were doing a different game, and a coach that he thought was going to open the game with, a, with an onside kick. And he says, we, they need to get the ball to this point before they can recover it. And he's drawing the line across the field. He goes, you know, he goes, why can't we just have this on the screen all the time? It would be really easy for us just to put a a yellow line on the screen, showing us and showing everybody where the first down line is, where the first down is supposed to be at. And the people were like, "Oh, it's too distracting," and "Oh, we'd never be able to pull that off." And he was like, well, "That's nonsense." He goes, "Let's let's do it," and they did it, <laughs> and it's become you know the staple of watching football. Every broadcast has that line across it. John Madden just was like. Why can't we do that? I just let's just put a line on the screen there. Make everything easier for us, for the fans. So many things are attributed to him and the way that he went about announcing the game. You know, and, and I, I I knew at a very young age that I was going to be a broadcaster, sports broadcaster. I you know they my family would catch me. You know, I would at five years old. I was recording the you know the baseball game of the week, Saturday game of the week. And I would record it on my little Radio Shack portable cassette recorder, and I'd hold the microphone up to the speaker on this huge Zenith console TV, and I'd record the I'd record the game as much as I could, at least on a you know forty five minutes to a side on one of the the long play cassette tapes from back in the day, and then I would go back into my room, and I would I would listen to it, and I'd push record and record over Vin Scully's voice or whoever was doing the game that day, and I would add in my own little commentary. And I'd go back to the game, and I'd listen to it and stuff. I had stacks of these tapes. I knew I was. I knew what I was going to be from the beginning. I'm one of the lucky people, right? I never wanted to be a, a you know a spaceman. I never wanted to be a fireman. Uh, I wanted to be a sports broadcaster my entire life. So when I was introduced to John Madden, I was like, "That's that's what I want to do. I want to do that. I want to be that guy. That guy's awesome." And I felt that way my entire life. And I you know I got the opportunity. Thank so much to the University of Arizona and to uh, IMG and Learfield and Brian Jeffries 
for allowing me the opportunity to live out my dream of being a color analyst for a uh, you know for a major sports program on a on a, on a, a major outlet, and I I, I, I kind of just. I didn't want to be, you know, the John Madden of college basketball or anything. That's not what I wanted to be. The only thing that I wanted to take with me was the work ethic that I had learned about through stories and things like that you hear about John Madden through his through his time. He was a tireless worker. I mean, he just he made sure that that he never stopped working. He never he never stopped being a coach. Is kind of like the interesting part of it all. You know, he 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 was extremely successful coach. He still has the best winning percentage in NFL history of any head coach with 100, more, 100 games or more uh, coached in the league, which is impressive when you consider the coaches that have been in this league that have coached 100 games. I mean, Vince Lombardi, George Hallis, I mean, there's pretty good, pretty good coaches. Bill Belichick, he hasn't lost a whole lot of games in the NFL, at least not in comparison to the wins that he's had. John Madden still has the best winning percentage in NFL history for a head coach with 100 games or more coached which is remarkable. But he never stopped being a coach. He took that in to the booth with him. You know, the reason that there are player meetings and that, that broadcasters are allowed to go to practice now is because John Madden, like his, his first game, the first game he ever, he ever did as a broadcaster, he's talking to the producers. And he's like, okay, well, well you know, what days are we allowed to go to practice? What, you know, what day do we go to practice? And the guy's like, well, you know, we don't go to practice. We're just the broadcasters. We just, you know, we're going we're gonna to watch the TV tape. And John Madden's like, well, that's, you know, that's bull pucky in his own, his own words. He was very, very profane man was John Madden. I learned about that. Um, you know, he's, he's like, well, that's, that's, that's not going to work for me. I need, I, need to see, I need to see these guys play. I need to see what they do. I need to see, you know, certain things about certain guys on the field. Who's the fastest guy? Who's the strongest guy? Who's the biggest guy? Who's the guy who likes to eat the most? Who's the laziest guy? You know, all this other stuff. He wants to watch the practice. And they were like, no, 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 no. We, we, don't, we don't do that. And he's like, well, I do that. He's like, I go to practice. That's what I do. That's how I study. We're going to be with these guys for three hours trying to explain what they're doing on a football field, and I don't get to watch them? So they talk to the teams, and they're like, Okay, yeah, sure. Well, you know, we'll have coach on the field. We'd love to have coach here. We love, we, we love coach Madden because he wasn't a broadcaster at the time. He was just you know, you know one year removed from come from coaching, two years removed from winning a Super Bowl. Sure, come on down to the practice field. He went down there, brought his notebook, took some notes, watched the players play, and turned out the greatest broadcast that anybody had ever heard, most likely, on his very first attempt. And the following season – Every single television broadcast team was doing it. They were sending broadcasters to practice. You know, these are just little innovative things that worked, you know, things that that were never being done as common practice before that John Madden was like, well, why aren't we doing that as common practice? Why wouldn't we go to watch the team play? Why wouldn't we have a, a line drawn across the field? And why wouldn't we serve turducken on the field after a game at Thanksgiving? I mean, so many great things about the the life and times of John Madden, and you know it's it's almost like I, I'm almost thankful that he wasn't this huge, magnanimous personality outside of the booth. Like he wasn't the most well known guy, the most seen guy in the world. There's a there was a there was a, a funny story where he was sitting in a he was sitting in a hotel, 
and he was sitting there talking with you know his good friend or his producer or, you know the, he had those were his his friends were like his producers like all the like all his TV producers were like all his best friends those are the guys he spent the most time with and uh, uh, a British gentleman had approached him in the in the hotel and was like hey uh, John I just wanted to stop by and I you know I noticed you sitting here and I, I wanted to tell you that uh, you know in in the UK over in Britain they only allow us one football game of a week. Uh, of the week, and they alternate between the two major networks, between your network and the other network. And he's like, so I only watch football every other week. I'll only watch your games. And John Madden was like, okay, hey, you know, thanks, man. I appreciate it. Didn't really look up at him a whole lot, just kind of like noticed him and, you know, looked away and stuff. And so the gentleman walked away, and John Madden says to his, his producers, like, he's like, boy, don't you think that guy had really big glasses on? And his producer's like, John, that's that was Elton John. Like, <laughs> you just, like, wait, not dismissed or waved him off, but that's Elton John. And this was back when Elton John was huge. This was in the 80s. <laughs> so that's just kind of the way John Madden was. And uh, you know, I almost prefer it that he was so humble and so quiet because I think if he had been this huge, massive personality doing all these Tons of television commercials, and don't get me wrong, he did some TV commercials from time to time. But you know, he 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 preferred to kind of be, you know, in the in the in the wings there. So uh, unfortunate passing of John Madden. He passes away at the age of eighty-five, and uh, I'm sure we'll be sharing some stories, not just today and this week, but throughout the uh, throughout the rest of the time here of the Jeff Dean Show and throughout our lives. And uh, sharing the, the the things about John Madden, you know, the, the documentary just came out this past weekend. I haven't had a chance to watch it yet. I had a DVR. Obviously, I was crazy busy on on Christmas, and then the you know the, the following the you know the following days, I'm I'm working, so um, have not had a chance to watch it. I was planning on watching it this weekend. Now I'm probably going to have to move that up and move some things around my schedule so that I can check this thing out. But uh, yeah. So very very saddened yesterday by the by the hearing of the uh, the passing of John Madden and again we'll we'll continue to share some stories and stuff throughout. So we've got uh, plenty of other things going on in the world of football today, and uh, or this week I should should say as uh, week seventeen is uh, is here and I'll have my uh, NFL power rankings here for you coming up in just a little bit. Of course, Tyler Drake going to join us uh, at uh, seven thirty to talk Cardinal football. Referring a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook could be your ticket to Super Bowl 56. Just be checking out uh, the FanDuel Sportsbook. When you refer a friend on FanDuel Sportsbook, you'll be entered for a chance to win an all-expenses-paid trip to Super Bowl 56 for two, for you and a friend. The biggest refer-a-friend offer ever, offer ever, it begins January 3rd, and all you have to do is share your exclusive referral link right from the Sportsbook app. The uh, Of course, FanDuel Sportsbook app, it's super easy to use. It features safe and secure transactions, and when you win, and uh, I won a couple little parlays last night, which was real nice, uh, you get paid out in as few as two hours. And, if, of course, if you're new to FanDuel, you can also sign up with my promo code DEAN, and uh, they're always offering that risk-free bet, your first bet risk-free up to $1,000 when you use my promo code DEAN. See for yourself why FanDuel is America's number one sports book. Download the sports FanDuel Sportsbook app today and get ready to refer a friend because that sweepstakes begins on January 3rd. Be ready for that. 21 and over in President Arizona. Referred players must wager $10 within 28 days after signing up. 
Bonus is issued to site uh, credit and not withdrawable site. Uh, expires after seven days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. There's no purchase necessary for the Super Bowl ticket promotion. Super Bowl promotion closes on January 9th. If you think you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342. More after this on The Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Now back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Good friend and uh, a guy that people will recognize by name, Anthony Jamino, of course, covered sports in Tucson for a long time, still does. Um, put on, uh, I, I found this on Facebook last night that he posted. Uh, it says, did you know that John Madden once played at Arizona Stadium? It was in 1959 in the debut of a somewhat forgotten piece of Tucson sports history. Just fascinating stuff. It was the All-American Bowl um, put on by a club called the Optimist Club, and it was a postseason all-star game that featured like a David and Goliath-type matchup. What they would do is they would take the major All-Americans from places like Notre Dame and Alabama and Pitt and all that stuff, and they would put them up against what they called the Little All-Americans, against players from Cal Poly or uh, Willamette Valley and Arkansas Tech and Flagstaff. I mean, just, you know, like these little tiny schools. It was the whole David versus Goliath thing. And in 1959, John Madden, who was playing defensive line for Cal Poly, played in that game in Tucson. He played against a uh, pretty good uh, football player. You guys might remember the name uh, Bronco Nagurski. Uh, pretty good pretty good player, maybe one of the greatest names in football history also. He was a two-way player, Bronco Nagurski was, for Notre Dame. He played uh, tackle on offense and played defensive tackle on defense. So John Madden actually played a football game in Tucson at Arizona Stadium, uh, which is pretty awesome to think about. And, uh, you know, his his football career was cut short. He had a, he had a, he had a bad leg injury that just kind of kept him from uh, from playing in the NFL. But he went right into coaching. And that's really where he, you know, he, he took off because he was such a smart guy, obviously going to Cal Poly, you know, just get into that school just for nothing. So um, that was cool stuff. So uh, thanks to Anthony Jamino for sharing that with us. I, I had no idea that anything like this ever existed. Uh, by the way, the, uh, the big All-Americans beat out the little All-Americans in that game in 1959 by a score of 14 to 12. So wasn't so much of a uh, whopping victory for Goliath that day at Arizona Stadium. But fascinating stuff by Anthony Jamino. Really thankful he was able to share that with us. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, Tyler Drake, our Cardinals insider, will join us to talk Cardinal football and maybe share his own little John Madden stories with us. That's next right here on the Jeff Dean Show. The Jeff Dean Show on ESPN Tucson is brought to you by Desert Diamond Casinos. Desert Diamond is true Tucson. Back to the Jeff Dean Show on 1490 AM, 1049 FM, ESPN Tucson. Welcome back to the Jeff Dean Show here on ESPN Tucson, Tucson's only local morning sports talk show. We keep things local here, at least in the state of Arizona, as we do every Wednesday at 730 with our Cardinals insider from Arizona Sports, he is Tyler Drake, and he joins us right now on the Jeff Dean Show. Tyler, good morning. Happy Wednesday to you. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. How are you doing, my friend? I'm doing great, thank you. How was your uh, How was your Christmas holiday with your with your baby girl for the first time? 
Oh, it was awesome. It was really cool. It was really fun uh, seeing her open up some presents for the first time or at least <laughs> grab the wrapping paper and mess around with it. So, yeah, definitely fun. And then, yeah, turned around and went right up to State Farm. And, and uh, yeah, we know what happened there. <laughs> Did you do the usual, like, let's stick a bow on her head and take a picture and see how long it takes her to t- you know, pull the bow off of her head and stuff like that? Well, so my wife's actually, she's got her trained pretty well already. She wears a bow, like, everywhere she goes so i we didn't even we didn't even need to do it because she left the bow on all day and and i always try to take them off and i'm always getting grief of like nope she's got to keep them on so <laughs> <laughs> hey before we get into to cardinal talk obviously the passing of john madden and you know i know that you're uh, a younger man than i did john madden have have an influence in broadcasting obviously in video games he did in, in your life, I'm guessing. But in broadcasting, did he have any, any kind of an influence on your life? Yeah, yeah, definitely. You know, that, those were always some of the games just – I mean, I, I remember I used to even watch some of the older games back in the day just to see – just to hear what he was saying, just to see his, uh, you know, the mannerisms that he was using and, and all that stuff. And, and, you know, being in from Northern California, you know, we had a lot of Raiders influence up there. So a lot of the times, you know, we were running into players that would play for them and, and stuff like that. And, you know, never heard anything uh, bad or, or anything like that. It was nothing but good things to say about the guy. And, and I think the stories that I got told from other players were what really resonated with me to, you know, to really understand what type of person the guy was outside of the broadcast booth and outside of the sideline. So, uh, you know, those memories right there, you know, those are some of the, the ones that I will keep close to me, and, and it's definitely a sad time. You know, obviously the video game, I think everybody at some point or another had the video game. So, you know, just uh, just a tough loss for the NFL and, and the football world as a whole. Yeah, I mean, Madden, EA, you know, EA Sports Madden Football has sold over 140 million copies in its time, which is insane incredible 140 million I, I mean it was you know it was i i played it every day all day on my sega genesis i just never stopped playing like it was it was I, my parents were like what are you doing like i'm learning football <laughs> leave me alone oh yeah yeah it was like <laughs> I, i'm trying to get to the super bowl with, with the team i drafted so let just let yeah. me do it <laughs> yeah exactly exactly well speaking of another team who's trying to get to the super bowl that you were able to see up close and personal on saturday night on christmas night another setback for the arizona cardinals you know they they i i thought that uh, it, it was it was a good decision by cliff kingsbury to when he won the opening coin toss to take the ball like you know a lot of a lot of uh, coaches will defer to the second half you know you just let you know let the game come to you and see what happens in the second half but he's like give me the ball i want to score and, you know, they, they took the ball. They went down. They attempt the 51-yard field goal. There's a problem with the hold with Colt McCoy. The, the kick misses. And then everybody in the building knows what's going to happen next. Jonathan Taylor's going to get the ball, and he cracks off a 43-yard run. I, I, at, at that point, what were you thinking as you're sitting there watching the game? Yeah, so I, exactly what you said about, the you know, getting the ball. I, I, my ears kind of perked up. of like, okay, they're getting the ball. They're going to they're gonna see if they can start out strong and then – Watching that field goal just sail off, it was like, oh no, this is the uh, the recipe for a, for a really slow start once again. And then uh, what? In the next play, Jonathan Taylor busts off 43 yards, and they set up in the red zone. So it's just one of those. It was it was one of those games where you know the 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 game plan to start the very beginning of the game was 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 perfect, I thought. But then missing the field goal. The snap or the hold, I, you know, that was a whole situation, the whole game. And then, yeah, turn around and give the guy who you've been trying to 
who you've been talking about stopping all week, 43 yards on the first carry was just, uh, it was just one of those, <laughs> at this point, it's just what's been going on with this team. Yeah, it's almost like the, they're 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 finding and, and uh, you know this in this particular game, I, you know there were some issues with Cliff Kingsbury that you know issues that I took uh, with his coaching, but for the most part, I thought that that his coaching was pretty good. I thought that the clock management was okay. Um, I, I was I was in, in agreement for the most part with his decision to kick the field goal late in the game. You know, at the, from the ten yard line on that third down play, I thought. I thought it may have slowed momentum a little bit when you're that close to the to the end zone, but the back-to-back incompletions, he wanted the points right then and there, wanted to reset his offense from midfield. I, I kind of get that. I, I, I didn't take issue with that. But it was just – it was things that he wasn't doing during the game that stood out to me. And when guys like Jay Feely are tweeting out, like, was Colt McCoy ever coached how to hold a football, I'm just like, oh, man. <laughs> Cliff didn't have his backups yeah, yeah. ready. Yeah, exactly. And that's and that's kind of what we were thinking too, is like why like this is it was not just one hold, it was multiple holds. And then they yeah. threw in Will, uh Winslow just like, all right, let's just see if this works. And and luckily and luckily Winslow, Winslow looked like he actually knew what he was doing a little bit. Like no disrespect to Colt McCoy, he's not a holder. But uh yeah, it was just it just seemed like they were kind of like, all right, well, let's just roll with this and see how it does more, more than like, all right, let's really make sure this is the guy that we want to be holding the, holding the football. And, you know, the one thing that stood out to me, and, and I agree, like, you know, there's the game management for the most part I thought wasn't too bad, but the challenge that he, that he yeah. threw for the, what was it, the Heinz catch? Yep, yep. That one was, uh, that one was very, very, I, I was shocked that he threw the challenge on that and then didn't throw, and then that, pretty much played a part in him not throwing yeah. the challenge flag with Carson Wentz just being short of that uh, first down. So it was just, it's, yeah, it's, I, I felt like that was a big, 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 just, just a mishap to end the half there. But uh, yeah, you know, I think the, the field goal at the end there, I, I probably, it, I think you're right with, it took a lot of momentum out of that, out of their sales for sure. Yeah, I just I felt I mean in, you know because the previous week I was extremely critical or, or you know from two weeks prior I, I should say I was extremely critical of him not kicking the field goal on second or third down but there was also a case of where you know there was there was similar time on the clock but they weren't anywhere near the the, the goal line I mean it was they were at the thirty one yard line at, the, at that point in time um, and it's better just to kick and reset at that point I felt like from the ten maybe you kind of go one more play to the end zone and kick on fourth down but you know he's looking at the clock and thinking to himself I'm out of timeouts if we receive you know if we if we do uh you know are able to you know to get that to get that onside kick we're only going to have about 31 30 you know 32 seconds remaining I I, I want to give my my quarterback as much time as possible so I I get it I just to me the you know the glaring problem was that in this day and age with covid, and you never know if a guy's going to be out an hour before the game or not. To not have backups ready to go in key positions, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, that was uh, <laughs> that was very glaring with just the whole thing. It just it was just, I, you know, I, I just I don't know why they just didn't go with Winslow. Like I know Winslow, they they signed him like recently, but he had yeah. also been on the team before. He probably had a little bit of a relationship with those guys, so. I mean, he he's a he he probably knows how to hold better than Cole McCoy. I think that's just the 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 consensus. So for me, yeah, that definitely was a glaring uh, glaring area that I was like, what? <laughs> well, and here's the thing, and this you know this is what I talk about. You know, you know, Winslow is a special teams guy. You know, he's a, he's a he's a punter. He's a special teams guy. 
And when you go to practice, I mean, the special teams guys are always, like, off doing their own thing, right? Like, for the entire practice, yeah. like, well, let's kick some balls around. Those guys, I, I'm, I'm telling you this, those guys experiment and play around more than any group on a football practice field. I guarantee Winslow has been holding, trying to receive snaps. You know, and as a professional, you want to make yourself ready for anything that can get you in a game in special teams. I just, exactly. uh, like, it's, <laughs> like, I, you, you only have to go to one practice to realize that special teams guys are trying all kinds of different things, and Colt McCoy is not practicing holding long snaps. No, yeah, he's with he's with the other quarterbacks doing individual work, and yeah, ex- exactly. You said it, yeah. You hit the nail on the head there. <laughs> I just, yeah, again, you know, questions abound here, and 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 you know, I had a, I had a, 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 a guy ask me last night. We were I was talking uh, talking to a, a group of people last night at uh, uh, at my trivia show, and. The guy said, oh, you know, you're in sports. What do you think of the Arizona Cardinals? And I told him, I said, I don't think they're going to win another game the rest of this season. I don't think they're going to beat Dallas this weekend. I don't think they're going to beat Seattle in what always tends to be a weird game. They're going to be coming back home in a, in a building that they do not like playing in, apparently. And I don't think they're going to win whatever team they're faced against in the first round of the playoffs. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. Yeah, I'm uh, – I'm the the possibility of them losing out is very 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 real in my eyes. I uh, I think this indie this indie game was kind of their moment of hey let's finish off this season strong. Obviously, there's two more games left, but the, they needed the momentum out of out of this third primetime game, uh, and they still couldn't do it. It's the third primetime game they've lost, the third straight game they've lost. I mean, they just they, I wrote a story about it. I hope they. I guarantee you they're like, let's hope everything, you know, the rule of threes, everything bad happens in threes. I guarantee you they're thinking that right now. So, uh, yeah, it's just, it's very possible. You know, Dallas is a strong team, but also Dallas is kind of like the Cardinals. You don't really know what you're going to get when they, when they take the field sometimes. So that one's kind of up in the air for me, but then the Seattle game, that's a weird one. Like, like you said, always going to be a weird one. And as much as they're out of it, they're going to, you know, they're going to give them their best, uh, best shot to try to be that spoiler type thing, which I think Seattle likes being that. <laughs> well, I tell you one thing that you're going to get out of Dallas that, you know, that you're going to notice right away is they've got some dudes. Like they got guys on both oh, sides yeah. of the ball. Micah Parsons is an absolute wrecking machine. You got Trayvon Diggs, who, who has the, the the ability to be either burnt toast on a play or will absolutely roast your offense on another play, which is nope. very difficult to deal with. They've got a tenacious pass rush. And then on the offensive side of the ball, if Dak is on, they just tend to score a ton of points when he's on. And, and the Cardinals are going to have to contend with some really great players this weekend. Yeah, yeah, and, and we didn't. And yeah, we got Zeke there too, and and Pollard as well. So I mean, those two guys. And then the two guys it, outside it, the numbers. <laughs> With Lamb and Lamb and Cooper. They are stacked, and and that's the, that's the first two people I'm looking at are the running backs because that's just been the issue. Like, and that's the thing is is, is Jonathan Taylor got over 100 yards once again. They won once again. They've won nine times when he's got over 100 yards. But the thing is, is that. Outside of that 43-yard carry, I mean, yeah. he was really held in check that first half. I think he only had like under just under 60 yep. for the whole half. So, I mean, they did a good job doing it. They just – that momentum shift just killed them. I think it was more of a, a mental loss than anything of just watching that dude just with ease, just scamper his way up the, up the field. So, you know, it's, it's going to be a big, big – they need one of those – they need a huge tackle for loss. They need a huge stop to really get that run defense, you know, confident in itself to – to be a good 
unit for the whole game. So I, yeah, that's just I totally got away from what we're talking about. But yeah, that's that, that's no, it's good. With that. It's good. You know, I, I, I said, you know, as I'm watching the game, and I, I said on Monday, and like. <clears throat> this team, you, you have to establish an identity in sports. You, you, you have to have an identity. If you, ha- if you are I, I identity-less or uh, unidentifiable, I guess, um, then you know, those are the teams that just go, they get beat, they just kind of play out the rest of the season, they go through the motions. Um, it seems like for the second year in a row, the Cardinals establish an early identity and then it goes away. I, I mean, I, I just don't know if, if that early season identity is – is how how they continue? You know, is it is it poor coaching? Is it other coaches catching up with them? I, I I can't quite figure it out. But this team has no identity right now. Yeah, I almost and that's the thing too is I've been trying to rack my brain around that too. Is is there either and and it's really just on it's if you look at Cliff Kingsbury's track record that I mean the second half of the season are just rough for him from college to now. I mean. Uh, I can't, I don't have the exact records, but I mean he is under. I believe he's under 500 in both. NFL and college in the, oh, yeah. the season. And, oh, he he definitely is. And, and, that, and that's the thing is is what's going on. Is it the team's is is it him staying you know the same that he's been all season and teams finally getting up to speed with them, or is it just kind of cruise control type situation? It, it, you know that's and that's been a question that we've asked him every week of just you know why does this keep happening, and he doesn't know. He he won't even if he, even if he did, he probably wouldn't tell us, but. Uh, yeah, so he, you know, he just keeps not giving us a full answer on it. But yeah, that's that's always in the back of my mind is what is going on here? What is what, where is that switch being flipped? What week is it? Just like all right, now we are no longer the the cream of the crop. We are toiling in the bottom. And I know they're not at the like bottom right now, but the, I mean, three straight losses on the on the team that really a lot of us didn't think we we're going to probably lose more than five games at some point, and now yeah. they might lose out. So. Uh, you know, it's it's one of those things where it's just it's it's pretty baffling to see how well oiled how how much of a well oiled machine it was, and now it's just sputtering. And I think a lot of it has to do with the losses, obviously, with J.J. Watt and DeAndre Hopkins. But they they it's the NFL. You've got to be able to have guys step up, and you've got to have guys be able to come in and and even if it's a group effort, come in and and be able to at least kind of have that same push. Yeah, I'm, I'm not buying the injury. Every every team's got injuries. I mean, they played against a team who had half of their offensive line just completely decimated, and and we're still it's not able to get. Times where they've done that. Yeah, uh, the the, the injury. I, I I don't I don't listen to injury complaints any longer from the, the Cardinals or from any other team for that matter. Everybody's got them. Yeah. Yep. Tyler, the million dollar question. Let's let's just say for you know for hypothetical sake that the Cardinals don't win another game the rest of the season. They start the season 10-2. and two, They finish 10-7. and seven, They lose their first-round playoff game. What is the future of Cliff Kingsbury in Arizona? I mean, they got it. They, they, it's weird because, you know, when you win 10 games, you, you're not thinking you're going to get the ax. But mm-hmm. with how this team has kind of declined over the second half of the season again, I mean, there shouldn't have been a. It, sh- it shouldn't have come to the point where they needed another team for them to get into the playoffs. That it should have never come to the case with how good they were playing in the beginning of the season. So, it's they're going to have to take a look, and it's going to be. It's crazy because you know you never want to think of like, oh hey, head coach made it to the playoffs first time in his career, and he's going to get fired. But you've got to look at it at least and and either take a huge look inward and say, hey, this is what happened, and this is what we need to fix, or 
Yeah, I mean, it's it, it could be. I, I I don't I don't see Cliff going anywhere if in the off season if they do lose out. But I mean, I think he's got a very tight leash going into the yeah. the start of the season. Yeah, that seat starts warm to begin the 2022 season for sure. Exactly. Well, Tyler, I appreciate the time, man. It seems like we just started this interview, but it is now time to go, unfortunately. And uh, we look forward to uh, to seeing uh, to talking with you again next weekend. Enjoy the game uh, from your uh, from your couch this weekend, and enjoy the time with family. Have a happy new year, and uh, we'll talk to you next week. Okay. Yep, sounds good. Have a good one, man. That's Tyler Drake of Arizona Sports. If you want to follow him on Twitter, and I recommend you do, it's at t drake four sports at t drake for sports he is our cardinals insider joined us every wednesday here on the jeff dean show at 7 30 a lot of great insight there i didn't get a chance to ask him about injuries that have occurred this week and guys are getting back and um there's just so much to to digest so much to dissect if you will about the cardinals and their current state of how they're playing football which is ultimately the most important thing um i will tell you this tyler told me that they're going to get rodney hudson back this week which when he and I discussed yesterday who was the bigger loss to the offense, DeAndre Hopkins or Rodney Hudson, he and I both agreed that it was Rodney Hudson was the bigger loss. Uh, the Cardinals can, can make do without DeAndre Hopkins for several weeks. Obviously, it's a, it's, a, it's a huge blow, but not having your center who was playing his butt off all season long for you, um, and they've had problems at center since then. The backup has not been good. Max Garcia has been really bad. Uh, Rodney Hudson was the bigger loss. So they're going to get him back for this Sunday's game against the Cowboys, which is huge. I mean, they're going to need it because the Cowboys are, have, have got their ears pinned back. They've got nothing to lose now because they're in the playoffs. They've won the, they've won the East. Um, they can just go ahead and pin their ears back and play aggressive football, and that's what I'm going to expect out of the, uh, out of the uh, Cowboys this weekend. All right, we're going to take a timeout. When we return, more NFL talk, and we'll come back and we'll talk uh, some college football some arizona wildcat stuff coming out in hour number two stay tuned right here to espn tucson it's the jeff dean show the jeff dean show on espn tucson is brought to you by desert diamond casinos desert diamond is true tucson more of the jeff dean show on 1490 am 1049 fm espn tucson join spears and ali this afternoon from three to six as they broadcast their show live from the Barrio Brewery, located on the corner of East 16th and South Euclid, right down there by the uh, by the tracks. Great location. I I I, I like being there. It's a great place to go. Uh, I've been there after some uh, several times after games and such. Go enjoy a couple of a uh, couple of pops and the delicious food that they have there, and you can go and enjoy it today too. And watch some radio magic happen on the Spears and Ali show. They're going to get you ready for uh, for the weekend in sports, and of course, happy hour. At Barrio Brewing from 3 to 7 um, today, and that'll be dollar off drafts and $5 appetizers today. Barrio Brewing celebrating 30 years of brewing for Arizona. Join them down there today from 3 to 6 with Spears and Ali. Hour 1 is already in the books. Like, I, like seems like I just cracked the mic to start the show. Haven't got into even a third of the things that I've got ready for you guys today. So uh, we'll continue with that. I've got my NFL power rankings coming up. Those will happen right at the top of the 8 o'clock hour. Had some movement. Had some movement throughout. There's a couple of newbies on the uh, on the power rankings we'll introduce and uh, some movement in the top 10 as well. So plenty of things moving around here late in the season as we start to 
figure out who the contenders and pretenders are for a Super Bowl championship. I have my list of those as well. And uh, maybe a couple of surprises built in there. And look, you know, this weekend's NFL is going to look quite different. Um, Thankfully, the NFL decided yesterday, I saw, uh, I think it was yesterday afternoon or last night, there was a tweet that came out that the NFL is changing their COVID protocols for asymptomatic players. If you're asymptomatic and you're vaccinated, if you test positive, you can come back in five days as opposed to 10. That is fantastic news. That means that players who tested positive earlier this week are going to be cleared to play on Sunday, which, look, you, you want the most and best players available for your product. Case in point, if you languished through the Monday night football game watching that debacle on on television, uh, I commend you, first of all. Second of all, that's what happens. The New Orleans Saints had 21 players on COVID protocol for that game. 21. You can only dress 46 players in a game. They went out there and didn't even, I mean, it was, they did the best they could, I guess. But they never had a chance against Miami. That was the easiest bet ever. People were running to put their mortgage on Miami for that game. So it's going to help the the product this weekend. I think we're going to see some great football uh, here coming into the, uh, the, fi- the, the final two weeks of the season, thankfully, because we need it, because the last few weeks have sucked, to be honest with you. All right, still a whole lot more to come here in hour number two. Stay tuned. It's just a quick turnaround here in the 8 o'clock break, and we'll come back for the 8 o'clock hour, starting off with my NFL Power Rankings. We'll talk about some things going on in college football and a whole lot more. It's the Jeff Dean Show here on 1490 AM, 104.9 FM, ESPN Tucson. From the Casino Del Sol studio, the soul of Tucson, this is ESPN Tucson, KFFN Tucson, KWCX Tanka Verde, KMXZ HD4 Tucson.